are you? It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. If I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You've got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Joining me, as always, is Kairos Bodley and the warus of MMA, Chisanga Malata. How you doing, fellas? I'm very well, Mike. How are you? Um, I'm still marvelling at the fact that you're managing to alpha male this podcast by your deep voice. Hence the reason why you're the warus of MMA, <laughs> just like Barry White. Man, that is a deep voice. Um... I, I got it from my father, I would assume, through genetics. <laughs> I, I don't know. But <laughs> How about yourself, Kairos? What's happening? I'm doing very well. I just woke up from a very lovely now. Oh, okay. Wow. I, I can I can I can definitely one hundred percent clarify you don't have children. Naps, what's that? <laughs> no, I don't have no children. I'm not having no children either. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before we crack on with uh, the show, let's just check in health check wise. Everybody's okay. Everybody's family's okay. Yeah, f- family are are holed up just outside Cambridge. Yeah, they're they're all good. Just I was meant to be doing a, a quiz with them yesterday, well, last night, but my dad couldn't work the Zoom technology. He is over sixty. Oh, wow. He is over sixty, so he oh, okay. See, so he needs time. So next weekend we'll be doing the family quiz. But everyone's all good in the Malata household. Cool, cool. How about you and yours, Kairos? Yeah, everybody's doing well. Everybody's safe, so that's all I can ask for. I'm very grateful. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a sense of, of hopefulness now because we're actually, you know, talking uh, on this side of the pond anyway about um, possibly easing the lockdown and how we actually move into the next phase. And that is not necessarily coming out completely, but, you know, a phased approach back to the next new normal, you know, this has just been strange times. You know what? Speaking of strange times, did you guys see that released UFO footage um, that they, uh, the American government uh, released yeah. uh, in the week? What does that say? That basically says they are tantamount uh, to 100% giving us the green light that, yeah, it's okay to believe in UFOs. <laughs> they are a thing. George St. Pierre, maybe he was abducted, man, maybe taken by yeah. aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy, but I think it's obviously a deflection tactic of something, may, uh, of some sorts. I mean, maybe Trump is really like because it, didn't it come after the disinfecting comments, or, or maybe I've got the timelines wrong. But if it did come it, after the disinfecting comments, maybe it's just like okay, what in the the secret files? But can I chuck out to take attention off me? It, it's funny you should mention that you're right it was like i think either a day or a couple of days after but it was apparently sh- uh scheduled because i do remember reading somewhere that they were due to be released so okay. it may just be coincidental but man what a massive revelation but uh, what's not been spoken about 
um, in the round, really, is the connotation that it has for religion. When you think about it, if you're saying that there is the existence of extraterrestrial life, what you're basically saying is that, you know, well, where does God feature in all of this? Where does Adam and Eve, the, the classic story of creation, feature in all of this, if there are indeed aliens? Yeah, that's that's true. I, did, I, I didn't think of that, but... Hey, may, maybe God created the aliens or whatever. I don't know, but you you you, you never know. That's the thing. It's, it's yeah. I didn't even think of it on on a religious level as well. That's hey, I've I don't know. If if all I'm saying is I'll be praying to God if they do try invade us and take all our shit. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we aren't that important anyway. <laughs> I don't know how I segue out of that, but um, the the, the thing I would say is what I'm going to bring to the table um, this week, um, which shouldn't be alien to a lot of you out there. See what I did there? Yeah, that was clever. I like that. Anyway. Uh, I'll keep you there. That was bars. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. That was good. It shouldn't be alien to a lot of you. Um, The timeline for me was kind of like um, dominated by... What uh, Darren Till and Leon Edwards and Jimmy Manuel have actually got together to create, and that is an initiative basically spearheading um, what effectively look, is looking at um, knife crime, basically an anti youth violence movement. And I love the way that in which they're actually focusing their attentions, just like their uh, ambassadors for their cities. Because when you think about it, Darren's from Liverpool and uh, Leon's from Birmingham and Jimmy's from London. Now, these are hotspots for youth violence, in particular knife crime. I mean, this is the um, the highest amount of youth casualties we've ever had since the, what, the First World War. And the thing is this, I like the fact that they're using their platforms and I like the fact that, you know, they're now bringing pressure on those people who can actually make an active difference. And there, it does seem to be snowballing because... What started off as a conversation behind doors between Darren and between Leon and between Jimmy is now growing into a a social movement for change. And I'm really hoping that, you know, with the added momentum that people are actually adding to it, people are saying, you know, how can I get involved? How can I help? And they're starting to tag MPs into it. Now, I spoke to Jimmy earlier on this week, and that was one thing I said to him would be key to this. You need those people who be able to pressure, those people who be able to cajole, those people who be able to to, to lobby, mm-hmm. um, those who will be able to affect change and effectively put resources behind this. Because essentially what we're talking about here is mentorship. What we're talking about here is a way of actually stewarding, a way of actually shepherding, a way of actually ensuring that the youth have not necessarily a distraction, a diversion, but something to focus on, which is backed by positive mentorship. Now, I think the general direction of travel on this is, you know, mixing a little bit of MMA um, and mentorship, but basically sports in general. And I like the direction of travel, as I mentioned, because it does seem to be grabbing some steam. I'm, I'm sure you guys couldn't have failed to notice that, you know, the timeline, especially today, it being Sunday, has been awash with, you know, people's opinions and people wanting to help and people basically, you know, well, looking to amplify the messages that these three are actually trying to get out there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, well, First off, um, obviously Jimmy Manu was a prominent uh, f- figure in London in the in the fight community, and 
I, w- I was very happy to to see that he reached out to to the younger, more prominent British UFC fighters. Those be, yeah, those two being Darren Till and and Leon, because both of them have had experience with knife crime. Obviously, Darren, I think he he was stabbed twice in the back in a nightclub altercation. I think twenty twelve, and uh, I remember hearing recently with Leon Edwards, he was saying that four out of i think of his six close friends are now imprisoned for murder because of knife crime in birmingham yeah yeah which yeah. was uh, which was crazy but i'm a massive massive fan of this initiative as as you well know mike knife crime in i think just maybe the last five years just skyrocketed i don't know what the catalyst for this has been i know for a while the the mantra in the street has been uh, if somebody does something to me i've got to one-up them but now it just seems that people are just stabbing people for no reason in the uk and i think there was a story the i think it was another i think it was what jimmy tweeted about like two young kids i think a child maybe as young as three years old was stabbed by somebody it's yeah it's correct me if i'm wrong on, on the exact age but it it was a very young child and just the issue the issue is one that the government haven't want don't want to tackle for and they say oh yeah people are gonna carry a knife they'll get mandatory sentences or whatever but that's not being implemented and even if you do do that you you're not tackling the root cause which is social and economic depravity in certain areas which for me i I've, i'm not a conspiracy theorist but i i, I think the governments and certain aspects of the government profit from certain areas being uh let's say deprived of amenities or whatever whether that be better teaching youth clubs and initiatives like the ones that darren jimmy and and leon <clears throat> leon's name escaped me there for a second are trying to set up and i think it's yeah. it's a positive it's a positive thing so it is a positive thing that three prominent figures in our sport are trying to trying to highlight this this issue which i think is obviously it's obviously taken a back step in comparison in in, uh, in light of the coronavirus outbreak but i'm like as i said to to darren and i said as i said to leon and as i said to jimmy i want to contribute as much as i can and i hope that others not just in the mixed martial arts community but others in general can and particularly in terms of mentorship i've already you know started the ball rolling from my perspective on how I can help and that I've reached out to MPs that I know, media um, personalities that I know and prominent journalists and asking them, you know, the best way forward. I mean, I was having a um, a very short conversation with Akala, who, as you know, is very up on uh, youth violence and has solutions and ways in which we should actually tackle it. And one thing which is kind of clear, and again, I kind of like fed this back, Jimmy what we need or what's needed is a strategy so that you can actually put it in a form of a document so that that's your mantra that's what you're speaking to and that's what unpacks what you are actually trying to get off the ground because at the moment it does seem to be um and and worthwhile words but nothing seems to be in a written form which as you know you'll know yourself just anger in order to actually influence people of any um standing you do need to leave them with something that they can take away digest and actually you know get their head around so one of the things which i'm kind of like keen to keep on doing is to keep this in the public eye because you're right this right now is not a massive priority given that COVID-19, not only is it the headline snatcher in terms of resources, and I'm talking about monetary resources, it's definitely 
um, you know, a lower priority. But one thing that COVID-19 or the epidemic or the pandemic has actually shown is where there is a will, there is a way. And that is they have actually successfully um, resourced everything that we need in this country to ensure that not only do we have continuity in terms of um, economic continuity and make sure that people can actually pay mortgages through things like, you know, the furlough scheme, but it just shows me that where there is a collective will, things do get does get um, done. So I just want to just keep making sure that that is out there and making sure it is prominent and making sure that it is in people's minds just by keeping the problem or the, the, the actual conversation going. So Kairos, in terms of uh, youth violence in the States, is, is knife crime not such a, a prevalent or a, a, a pressing issue? In comparison to you guys, I don't think so. When I was hearing you, I was Googling some information because that's what I always do. I always like to look up statistics and like information like that when people tell me new issues. And I'm not going to lie to you. When you were saying this, I was thinking, okay, because typically to most Americans, this is ignorant, but it's the fact of the matter. You think London is the UK. Everyone just thinks, all right, London is the UK and that's it. Nothing else. Just just that city. So like typically we're thinking, yeah. all right, great. I'm like, all right, so maybe it's like, I don't know, five, ten thousand cases a year. I look at this bad boy, it's forty-six thousand. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I look at like the increase, like eighty <clears> percent. <throat> I'm just like from the previous year, I was like, Oh, okay. That is horrifying. The fact that 40,000 people just got stabbed, or maybe one person got stabbed multiple, just like, that's just scary. And in comparison to America, no, people aren't typically using knives. It's like, all right, well, I'm using guns to solve my problems. But if you ask me, I would rather get shot than stabbed. Because mm-hmm. if you get stabbed, they can hit anything else with when it comes to your vital org. I, I don't want to get stabbed. I'd rather you shoot me than stab me, to be honest. So that's just a frightening thing to think about. I'm glad you brought up the point about Darren Till getting stabbed because he has first-person experience dealing with the issue. And I like the other fact that you brought up that most crime has to deal with lack of education, lead content in the water, um, uh, uh, annual income. And I forget the last, I think police intervention is the last leading cause of crime. But yeah, just like, it's great to hear that this is happening and that you're trying to reform and create reformation in your hometown and that sort of thing. And I, I wish the best. It's interesting though that you talk about, you know, um, if you you know had a choice, um, being shot would be the preferable option because when you think about it, I mean, just just working this out logistically, you walk into a packed nightclub and someone's got a gun, and they they start to you know shoot randomly. There is because of the fact that, you know, they're not going to be accurate with their aim, there is less chance that you're going to be hit. And if you are hit, it's not going to hit a vital organ. So there's more of a chance if somebody is actually slashing, stabbing, and actually, you know, wreaking havoc in a nightclub with a knife, that you're going to be killed, let alone maimed, because, you know, it will sever a, a main artery. So, you know, that's why, I suppose, going back to why the emphasis on knife crime is because it is so prevalent in the UK and so many young adults are, you know, succumbing to not only carrying knives but being the victim and and, um, actually dying from Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, this is a little bit close to my heart as well for two reasons. One, I used to do youth mentorship in that I used to work with um, a pupil referral unit. Now, what happens is once you get excluded from school, I used to actually work with those people who were... um, um, excluded because of mugging, because of robbery, because of um, uh, stabbing um, individuals, they'd get sent to a pupil referral unit where your education's kind of like similarly um, to a normal school, but you're getting youth mentorship. And there was a lack of youth mentorship um, in the borough that I was working with, and that was Haringey. And, you know, it's one of those things which is a recurring theme, and that is 
it's because I'm not saying this is the only reason, but where you have um, a reference point which is not your friends, which is not somebody in the same boat as you doing the same dumbness that you're doing, you do have a um, point of reference which is positive and that's where mentorship I think really does succeed and hence the reason why this kind of piqued my interest because mentorship does seem to be at the heart of it plus I suppose the final thing to say having two young boys you know one's 10 and the other's 13 I really do fear for the future especially I'm in a place where in East London knife crime is just as serious as it would be in any other part of the UK so you know I really do wish them well with that and as I say I'm going to keep um, hammering the whole, the whole message um, not just behind the scenes but um, using my platform to do that as well. No I, I completely agree and be, being a, a young person from an ethnic minority background in London this regardless of if you've experienced knife crime f- firsthand this, this is a pressing issue because unfortunately most of these stabbings are happening in particular in the black community oh 100 percent 100 percent what's next guys right guys as you know by this time next week we'll be talking about some fights believe it or not i can't believe it that we'll be talking (laughs) (laughs) i'm still i'm still just waiting for my phone to go off at like 4 a.m in the morning espn saying oh the fight's off or something i'm just waiting for that to happen Don't put that out there, man. I'm, What's the hey, I'm actually touch, you, I'm you, touching my chest of drawers, which is wood, as I'm as I'm saying that. So don't <laughs> worry. Like I'm I'm touching wood that that's not happening. But obviously, the the big talking point going into this is about the the COVID nineteen testing situation. Will fighters yeah. be tested? Will their coaches and their corner men and indeed any of their family members are coming? Well, any family corner members or whatever, because obviously you won't have family members coming because this is a cl- behind doors behind closed doors event sorry and i think it was just about maybe five or six hours ago that the veteran mixed martial arts reporter gareth <clears throat> gareth a davis the warlock as many of us call him he's he's a he's, <laughs> he, hey I, I i love gareth the first time i actually met gareth i believe i can't i can't remember which ufc event it, it was ufc in birmingham it was when mark munoz mm-hmm. fought chris levin actually yes i remember that and I I think that was my first UFC event I attended. I was I was I was very drunk and then I saw Gareth and I was like, oh, one day I'm gonna be like you. And t- I, I generally did. He doesn't remember this. He doesn't remember this. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and yeah, that's how I first got acquainted with Gareth. But back to back to the story at hand. Uh, Gareth has reported that twelve of the fighters competing on next weekend's cards will go un- undergo stringent daily medical test for COVID-19 at a sealed-off hotel in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, initially, my my biggest takeaway from that is that only 12 fighters competing on the card are getting these COVID-19 tests. Although... How? Y- How so? Well... I'm baffled. I'm, I'm baffled, yeah. That's... Like, let me, if I pull up Gareth's... Sorry, now, yeah. It just says 12 UFC fighters mm. will undergo stringent daily medical tests. And it says those tests will also extend to team members and all workers on the event in the sealed off hotel with 24 hour credential passes and heightened security to reduce reduce the risk of the coronavirus infection. Now, as I just said there, only 12 fighters competing on the card. So you're, you're probably only having half the fighters on the card. Like, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Like, obviously, I'm happy that there is some testing and that it's going to be stringent. And it's going to be daily. But if you're going to do it, you've got to roll it out across the board. Yeah. 
to me, I'm thinking about, I'm trying to process this in my head about how this is going to go. I'm just thinking of a person trying to cast as wide of a net as they possibly can, trying to catch everything. But the fact of the matter is a lot of things are going to fall through the cracks and I'm I'm hoping for the best. I'm not going to sit here and be a pessimist and say, oh, people are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to, but I just, I want to be realistic here. It's going to be a very tall order to ensure no one is infected, no one's competing sick, and it also is a tall order, like we were talking about last week, of talking about anti-doping. And it's a question, it's a, it's a topic we don't, people don't want to talk about with this, and I guarantee you not too many people are going to bring up this question, but how have these people been drug tested for doping during this time? USADA said they're doing the best they can, and to me, that seems like they're doing absolutely nothing. And it's not their fault. They don't want to go to people's doors collecting urine and blood samples. They don't want to have to do this during this pandemic. But that's the way the sport is. I'm I'm going to be realistic here. I think we're going to see a lot of people with larger heads and larger bodies coming in from these events that are popping up. <laughs> oh. There are going to be a lot of people who have miraculous changes in their careers, and you're going to see some resurgences. I'm not going to say any names. I'll let you decide what's happening. Uberim next week, bro. <laughs> no, 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 next week. <laughs> the week before. The week after, sorry. Oh, God. It's happening. <laughs> Hey, like I mean, if ever there was a time for you to to try use some performance enhancing drugs that has a fast uh about well, a low afterlife, I, I don't know what the the exact terminology is, or it releases out your system quick, it's out your system quickly. Now's the time to do it. So, oh goodness, not that I'm not that I'm encouraging this. Like this I, man I, wants I, to cheat. I, I am. It, hey, I am a pride aficionado, you know. Just so, but uh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's my, my worry sorry. about sorry, Michael, all, all of this is my, well my worry about all of this is we're going to get to him later but Trent Reinsmith um, did a, a very um, insightful interview with an epidemiologist earlier this week um, it was Dr. Zachary Binney mm-hmm. now one of the things which uh, Dr. Binney was concerned about was he felt that the UFC was not ready for this. Now, from what you said there, that kind of underlines the fact that, no, they're not ready. What is the point of having testing if only 12 people on that card is getting tested? Not only that, these people would have flown to that venue. Mm -hmm. These people would have mixed with not only their family members before coming out, but also people at the airport, people on the plane. Now, coupled with the fact that only half of them are being tested, what's to say that, let's just, you know, for argument's sake, say no one actually carried anything there, right? Yeah. But once they got there, they are now mixing with people who were untested, and then that exacerbates what is obviously a clear danger, a clear problem. Not only are they going to be in close contact uh, close contact in the cage they're going to be mixing with people in the same venue now this is in the run-up to the event so what happens after they are actually going to be taking something potentially back to their loved ones back to their families back to people in an airport back to people on a plane unless you know Dana White is actually chartering a private plane for each and every one of those corners each and every one of those camps each and every one of those fighters I don't know how you actually guard against you know people actually bringing um, a potential weapon into this venue because when you think about it the whole lockdown I thought was supposed to safeguard against people um, transporting this around because you're with your family you are actually safeguarding your life and the lives of others 
by staying within a designated area, i.e. your home. This actually goes against that and coupled with the fact that you aren't doing proper stringent testing. I'm worried by this, but it's hypocritical to say I'm worried because I certainly will be watching on Saturday. But nonetheless, I think I've been banging on about this for the last five weeks now. If these events can be put on safely, I don't have an issue. But just because I'm watching, it doesn't mean that, you know, I have a problem with uh, the safety aspect of this, because I clearly do, as I've just outlined. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. It, it, well, it goes back to the, it, it wasn't even a debate. It was it was more of a, a, a brushing off of some comments from people in, in MMA, MMA Twitter. We are allowed to be excited that we're going to see like a crazy fight like Justin Gaethje against Tony Ferguson and Francis versus Jarzinho of Rosenstroik. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we're agreeing with the UFC's decision with everything to go ahead. And now that I've seen, well, Gareth, I'm, I'm not doubting the legitimacy of Gareth's report. Gareth is probably the longest serving UK mixed martial arts journalist or media member. So he probably got this information from Dana White himself. But now that mm-hmm. I've seen that it's only 12 fighters competing on the card, I've, I'm i even more on edge about it. I'm, I'm even more unsettled by it because it has to be absolutely everybody. And as going back to the point that you, everybody being tested, sorry. And going back to the point that you said about how do you safeguard after the event? Because obviously although you're keeping it behind closed doors to a certain extent, there are people still mixing in and touching other surfaces and, and, and stuff like that. What's the protocol afterwards? Is everybody going to go mm. into quarantine for two weeks afterwards? Well, I mean, that would be the ideal situation. I mean, if, if in Gareth's article they said all participants will have to stay in the fight or hotel for two weeks or whatever, I know that the, the probability of that happening is very, very slim, but I'd sleep a lot easier at night knowing that that was the case and knowing that the utmost is being done to ensure that they are protected. But again, yeah, it's... <sighs> You know what was a a real alarm bell for me and what really kind of like was a red flag as well? When you go onto the UFC's website, they're actually selling um, face masks. Now, you'll know yourself, you'll know yourself that if they do not have um, N95, I think it's N95 um, grade face masks, then what you have there is a very nice advertisement for the UFC. Now, from what I can see from these facial masks, they are face coverings. And I'm reading the blurb here. It basically says, non-medical grade masks. Oh, my now, God. That just says to me that <laughs> that, that, that is like... T- t- that is what is kind of galling on in all of this. Here you have an opportunity to not only allay fears, but also to do something and do it properly. Uh, I think it kind of goes back to the way that I was raised as a child. My mum used to say, do something good and done. Mm-hmm. But the way that I look at this, it kind of like goes back to what you were saying about it almost being cosmetic. You are only testing half the card. So how can that be a thorough job? Going back to the face mask, it kind of underlines the half-assed approach because this essentially is a promotional tool for the UFC. It's not going to safeguard you against the possibility of catching or actually um, passing on COVID-19. Well, Mike, 
as soon as people read that oh it's UFC on your mask they'll be like oh he trains UFC I'm not gonna get close to him bro so that's how it's safeguarding you oh, art imitates reality and the proof is in the pudding with this I just these jokes can't write themselves I, I promise uh, it's 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 baffling non-medical grade and uh, t- oh my god I've to be honest, as you've seen multiple people on, on YouTube, on, on Twitter and Facebook and various other social media things, it's better to take like a, a semi-thick t-shirt and wrap it around your face about three or four times and that stops the droplets from getting out. Don't be buying the UFC's <laughs> non-medical grace. <laughs> great oh stuff. Why, why would you do like, I'm just saying protect yourself. Uh, I, I mean, at, at a time like this, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say that. Not not yeah. saying that I'm an expert on this, but I have been researching uh, face masks because it, it looks really likely that in the UK, um, this is going to be essential to us actually getting back to um, the next normal. So face masks, face coverings are going to be an integral part of doing that. Yes, you can actually cover your face and wrap around cloth to an extent where, you know, that does give you a level of or that gives you or give people around you a level of protection Mm -hmm. but um what i've been looking into and what i purchased um yesterday and i'm going to be eagerly awaiting is um, a a medical grade mask with the vents and um the face filter as well now these are two vents that it has um in the mask and it's not for cosmetic reasons mine won't be having any logo so you know people will be approaching me because they won't know that i train you <laughs> <laughs> do you do you know who i who i realized the the people who are already prepared for this uh this this pandemic you know like the drill <laughs> those as well With the yeah those, those those as well but you know the people that go to the gym and they're like they're wearing like the altitude training oh masks they're like oh yeah i'm gonna, oh, yeah. I'm gonna yeah you you know the types i mean they're already prepped yeah. for this. They're like, oh yeah, this is easy. This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Here All we go. right. I just the message versus the messenger, and this has been irking me ever since I got into social media and watching people talk about sports and talking about journalists. And we got we got to talk about Trent Ryan Smith, man. Like, cause he's he is case number one. I feel like he's the perfect example of people just seeing the messenger and just being like man fuck that message i don't care it's got to be a lie because it's coming from him and Mm. i'm glad you brought Mm. up the article about him talking about to the epidemiologist about us not being ready because the second the second he tweeted about that article i immediately went to go read i was like i'm gonna read this whole thing and i'm gonna see how many people based off of the comments actually read Mm. the article and every single person the every single person (laughs) commenting was like this guy hates the ufc he doesn't want to see stuff he wants to have the event canceled as if a person of the media has the power to cancel an event, not the national or federal government or ESPN or Disney. It's it's mind boggling that the best way the people can like the best ammunition people use against you is just their distaste and dislike for you. It's not actually your words that you put out there. This man just put out the obvious that perhaps having a sporting event during a worldwide pandemic at this stage is not beneficial because we are not prepared and every single person was just like well did he interview 10 epidemiologists did he ask other people you know how they say with the uh, uh, with yeah. the dentist commercials nine out of ten dentists agree he could be the one i'm just like oh my gosh you wow. people amaze me that like that irks me so much <laughs> 
And those people will be saying the Robert Downey Jr. to you. What do you mean, you people? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they, I'm going to keep saying you people because who it applies to knows it applies to them. So you people need help. The thing that irked me about that article was the fact that people didn't read it. Because if they had, they'd know the majority of that was actually the words and the thoughts and the sentiments of Dr. Binney. Now, the thing that really irked me even more was in the comments. I mean, basically, people were just telling Trent just to, just to, just to shut up. And I'm thinking to myself, but hold on, these aren't his words, people. Plus, underpinning all of this, this is coming from an epide epidemiologist. Um, basically, the sentiment was this could possibly lead to a larger outbreak. Now, the thing is, I, I really do think you've hit the nail on the head in that messages and messengers. I think that, you know, people, you know, for their own safety, not just just in the MMA sphere, but just in life in general, basically, might need to just take a, a few deep breaths and, you know, objectively look at things and actually take in information as opposed to, well, I see a name attached to it and I ain't buying it. No, I'm in complete agreement with, with, with that point of view. It, there is the other, the opposite end of the spectrum where people will say they'll see news tweeted out and then they'll see, let, let's for instance use Ariel Hawani as an example, they'll see Ariel's tweet and they'll be like, okay, this news is legit or or whatever. But as as you say, like every, I, I just, I, I didn't even, I didn't initially read the story. I just clicked the comments on the tweet from Bloody Elbow and oh my gosh, did they, <laughs> did they go, did they go after Trent? And again, like it just goes back to the fact. I don't know if it's just pure laziness now, like from this human generation, because we consume so much information that we just flick through stuff, and then we automatically attribute the the headline, even though it's in quotes, to to the to the scribe. But yeah, it it just it truly truly baffles me that people just don't read full stories, and in particular that in 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 this instance that they confused the epidemiologist quotes with trent uh, i it's it, it's just baffling i i don't want to say it's 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 a problem solely attributable to the mixed martial arts community but a lot of times i i i've i i think it is to a certain extent i'm not now i'm not trying to call our fan base dumb do not come at me and say that i'm calling people dumb or whatever. i am <laughs> just dumb. i am <laughs> hey I, I i like to give people credit but i i think it, it it might just be down to pure laziness and people just don't click on stories or whatever and i think i i think that's 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 an issue that um print online journalism is, is having to deal with because a lot of people now they like to take in their their news via via like via audio or via video and it's just humans in general just getting lazy now so i think that could be something to do with it as well and i think well the they they probably also saw the the at Trent Ryan Smith at the end of the tweet at the end of the quotes and then they just they just thought right we're going in I'm not even going to read this so I'm just going to leave a boneheaded comment. Yeah, and um, to piggyback off of what you said, it's definitely in all topics and all facets of life because the the average person isn't reading. The average person isn't reading for understanding. They're reading to form an argument and respond to what you say. And a, a, a mm -hmm. great a great mm -hmm. point about this is typically like when people talk about UK rap and American rap, a lot of people typically have this 
preconceived notion about UK rap because they've heard one or two songs and they just form in a blanket statement about it and then just go along with the handles of, oh, it's trash, da 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 da. But yet there's a whole bunch of artists in rap who piggyback and steal flows from UK artists. And I'll give you an example. There's this man, I, I, oh, it's off the top of my head. I think his name's like Loki, but he said something along the lines of like irrelevant how eloquent the rhetoric is. And that it's it's important. You got a UK rapper who could say who could talk about an analogy of the sky not really being blue because of the reflection of the ocean. So truly, we've been blinded by what we see and we don't really know what reality is. But you have surface level people who might see that and be like, man, that's whack. But let J. Cole say that. And they'd be like, yeah. man, that is the most <laughs> imp like that is the most beautiful verbiage I've ever seen. Bars. Lord have mercy. Put this man in addiction. Like. People will literally shape the entire way they view something based off of what who is delivering the message. It's just dumb. It's just so stupid to me. Yes, people are stupid. You might not want to say that, but I'm going to say it. I'm done playing nice with these people. I'm done taking it on the chin. Y'all already don't like me, so let me give you a reason not to like me. No, Yeah, I, 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 agree, with, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's the... the the certain message, the certain messenger, the certain response that people are, are willing, are willing to give, and I, th I think nowadays because people, are, in particular on social media, are becoming so entrenched with their views on certain aspects and certain aspects of life and certain people, they they're, they they just want to stay in their echo chamber. So when they see something that is from somebody who isn't in that echo chamber they don't even they don't even read the story or they don't even watch the video they've already formed opinion and then they just go ham well <laughs> have we have we done that one or <laughs> let's leave, leave trent alone else? now leave trent alone let that man <laughs> like live three let weeks him in the let jay snowden <laughs> let, let bloody elbow just let them do them y'all they're peacocks you gotta let them fly <laughs> but you know something I, I think I think we're all saying the same thing and we might be saying it slightly differently and that is you know what Trent is delivering is equally as important as the fluff pieces that go out there he's not only presenting his truth but he's presenting other people's truth because going back to this article in particular it's the words of a doctor but you know I really do respect his 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 integrity and I love the fact that you know he doesn't give a shit what people are saying about him how they're attacking him and the ferocity how which they're doing it he's going to keep presenting his and other people's truth so you know big up to Trent love what he's no, doing yeah and uh, as you say we're we're not extensions of the of the PR department we're, we're journalists we have to call it when it's good and call it when it's bad indeed indeed well that about wraps up this episode of oh, does it? I was going to ask you what's next I'll for Masvidal now now that's not going to be Usman oh. whoa 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 this yeah <laughs> that, that's <laughs> alright like, maybe alright just maybe just five minutes on this like I'm sure you saw Dana say that Usman's not going to be next for Jorge and that they're working on something special yeah. for him in this current climate what on earth could that be easy he fights Leon Edwards on the island. Ooh. I'm going to tell you why that's not going to happen, okay? Because that's a challenging Ooh. fight, oh, and that's Jorge's it. That's not going to take hold a challenging hold on, hold on, fight. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My guy's pissing in the tent already. <laughs> Jorge's not going to finish. Oh, my. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you got to say. <laughs> it's only because 
Dana's going hell for leather um, in order to get this Fire Island off the ground. He's talking about it quite excitedly as though it's already a done deal. Plus, when you look at what um, has been happening around Leon Edwards, really and truly, what options are there for him right now? His dance partner, and that is Tywin Woodley, is basically looking for everybody, this, that and the third, besides Leon Edwards. So that certainly ain't taking place. Obviously, you know, these two are destined to meet. The storyline is incredible. The setup is there. Why doesn't it happen, Kairos? Come on now. This man, Jorge Masvidal, has proven to us that you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. This man, since day Ooh. one, has been talking about how I'm going to fight everybody. Oh, my goodness. It don't matter. I was fighting in backyards for $50. You think this is going to be hard for me doing it for tens of thousands? Well, guess what? You're doing it for tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> and you still couldn't fight. Oh, my. Okay. Let me go. And you still wouldn't fight Kamaru Usman. Well, guess what? When it came time to fight him, oh, I'm out of shape. I'm too big. Or, oh, the money wasn't good enough for me. But now you're going to turn around and fight Leon Edwards for half the amount that you probably would have fought Kamaru Usman for? Because it's not a title fight, and it's a tough fight, too. This man is allergic to tough fights. I'm glad he's not getting this title shot because he doesn't deserve it off of his three wins. He beat three people who are no longer competing at the welterweight division. One's retired, one's at 155, and the other one who is not a 55er. Like, I mean, it's not a seven. Like, oh, my goodness. Like... This man and his legion of blind followers Ooh, has just damn. gotten people to really believe that just because you did something 10, 20, 30 years ago, and just because you're a person 10, 20, 30 years ago, that you're still that person today. No, you're not, because your actions do not reflect that. You have been doing nothing but disproving who you said you were since you got your first three-fight winning streak in like five to ten years. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just where we're at right now. I'm sorry. He's not fighting Leon. He's too scared. He's not going to take a challenge. So who's he going to fight then? Like if it's not if it's not Leon and it's not Kamaru, like it. Let let's be realistic. I know the, all the all the talk after Connor came back was the Connor fight, Connor Masvidal, but that's not going to be happening until we can have a full T-Mobile arena, which we don't know how long that's going to mm -hmm. be. Connor's not going to fight until you can have a full T-Mobile arena. So don't be surprised if you don't see Connor fight at all this year again. Um, I mean, yeah, again. I mean, so I mean. For me, I think it points to a Covington fight. I mean, who, like who else? Because it looks like it looks like Tyron's gonna be fighting Gilbert Burns. And speaking on that fight, Tyron's making a mistake taking that fight. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent making a mistake. To, Sorry, carry on. To answer your question, I'm gonna tell you right now, they're gonna give Jorge Masvidal another 55er to fight at 70 because they're thinking about it like this: we got two major stars right now. We don't know how much longer we have Connor for, and we don't know how much longer we have Jorge for. Both have had a long careers. One of them has made enough money to live off of over multiple lifetimes. The other guy probably has a decent amount of money anyway. Why would we risk them continuing to fight other people and then possibly losing to people who don't have as much notoriety? No, we're just going to have those two stars fight each other because, one, if Connor wins, great. Now he's the BMF champion. Now we can get him to fight Habib at 155 or Jorge Masvidal beats Connor. Oh, another world-class fighter that he beat. Now this justifies the title shot. This man's not going to take a hard fight. So he's not fighting Colby. He's not fighting Leon. He's not fighting Gilbert. He's not fighting Tyron. He's not fighting any person who would leave him bloody in the streets. That's, it's just not going to happen. And just because I'm not saying Connor can't beat him, and I'm not saying he'd walk all over Connor, but I just think the likelihood is a little bit lower that he loses to that guy oh. compared to everybody else. Oh. That's all I'm saying. Oh. I, th I think what we, we, we seem to be missing out of all of this 
is the economics at play here. Tyron Woodley has already said that he's been terrible with his money. He's basically whittled his savings down to next to nothing. That's why he's looking quite desperately, it seems, to actually get back in there and get back in there quick. That's the first thing I'd say. So I understand why he's doing this. But also, just on the Connor point, Again, we have to look at the fact that the UFC have actually paid out this massive dividend. They are now in a hole where they actually have are scratching around now. I think at last call it was 250 million that they have to find uh, through um, uh, WMING. Uh, IMG, sorry. Um, now the fact is they have to put on events. Connor will get paid regardless of whether it's a full arena or an empty one, and he will get his asking price. When you look at all of this, what's underpinning it is money. So just going back to, you know, why I feel that um, it will be Leon Edwards. Again, he is owed and he is owed big time. Look how they dicked him around um, uh, UFC London. They owe him and they owe him a, a massive fight. And this is one that he's been baying for and baying for for the longest while. So why not? No, when, when when you lay it out like that, when you lay the cards out like that, it, it makes sense. But... You, they're probably going to have to be paying Jorge a hell of a lot of money to be taking that fight. Yup. Yup. A hell of a lot of money. Ma- Ma- Don't get me wrong. You know, carry on, Karis? No, no, I, I interrupted you for some. You got it, you got it. No, yeah, and, yeah. Ma- maybe, maybe, yeah, ma- and maybe Jorge versus Leon kicks off the inaugural fight island. You, you, you never know. Hey, that yeah. could that could be the one. That because uh, Jorge now he he's somewhat of a of a mainstream UFC star. And the three piece in the soda yep. obviously did that for him before he he took Ben Askren's soul to the shadow realm with that flying knee. So yeah, I I, I think that he'd probably be the ideal candidate to kick off Fire Island. So, and I know Leon's down down is down down with that fight. I I, I spoke to him uh, two weeks ago and he said, yeah, look, I'll I'll happily fly over to to fight island wherever it is it would just be a bit difficult to get a camp going which is obviously understandable given the circumstances in in england because we're not wilding out like the americans in their protests over there that was something else i wanted to 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 to, to raise with kairos was like what's your thoughts on all these crazy ass protesters believing that this thing is a hoax and they're just demanding america get started again well i got two lenses that i'm looking at it through the first lens is, I thought Blue Lives Matter. Y'all were in the police's face, disrespecting them, spewing stuff in their faces. But I guess Blue Lives don't matter unless you're killing black people. But anyway, the other lens I'm looking at it is this way. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one out. The other lens that I wanted to say is that it just, it's, <sighs> these people are going to find out that when you play dumb games, you win stupid prizes. And I hope, I hope it doesn't end this way, but. I think it's going to get a lot worse than it gets better. You saw it. Michigan people were protesting in tens of thousands right next to each other. You mean to tell me not one person has coronavirus? With their guns. Yeah. No. You mean to tell me not one person amongst them has coronavirus? Unlikely. Or in Florida, when they reopened the beaches, and you got the mayor. I think it was Florida. It probably wasn't. You got a mayor of a city down at the beach wearing a Grim Reaper costume telling everybody to go home. And he's yeah. right. He's <laughs> yeah, a little dramatic, yeah, but he's right. Y'all need to take y'all asses home. What are y'all doing? Like Exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Americans don't learn until our backs are against the wall. That's always been embedded in our culture. And a lot of times we lie and we take punishment until it's too late. And sometimes we come out on top. Sometimes we don't. But people only remember the times that we come out on top, which is why we have such a messed up country as it is. Yes, I am patriotic, so don't try and say I'm un-American. But that's the reality. My, my fiance put it 
put it to me in an interesting way the the other day she was like if you could see the virus say if the virus like the virus's spores were were bright and illuminous green and purple and, and it was showing it was, it was illuminating off people that have it and surfaces that have it you wouldn't have these people like tens of thousands of people protesting together in in, in america or at the beaches in florida it's yeah, the, the the whole situation's baffling and I don't know what you people are drinking in the water over there in the States, but <laughs> bleach. <laughs> <They're> bleach. <laughs> See, I was God. disrespectful, but you might be right. I'll, I'll take that on the chin. Oh sorry. Sorry sorry, rays Ra- of light. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take this off. I'll take it for all Americans. And the rays of light were great. Maybe you can look into doing that in the body somehow. I I, I don't know. That that might be great. <laughs> and to respond with, to what you said about uh, Leon, I'm just gonna I love Leon. I understand that he is mm. one. He's probably one of the most underrated fighters, not not just in the welterweight division, but in general. Which is why I don't think they would give him that fight. Because if if I had to put down money, I'm gonna bet all my money on Leon Edwards in that fight. And I think the UFC does not want to lose a superstar like Jorge Masvidal to Leon Edwards. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't think they want to do that. But they don't. Because again, let let let's let's not lose sight of what's at play here. It's money. They are in a predicament right now. All they need is fights. They need to put things together. Plus, they dicked. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. They dicked Leon around UFC London. Not only that, they jerked him for his purse. Now, whereas you and I know that you're top of the bill, there's no way that you should be taking $20,000 along yeah. with everybody else. You should be... As a headliner, at the very least, getting a step above $20,000. And um, sources tell me that he was amongst those who got $20,000. The entire card, so I'm told, got $20,000. Now, when you put it in this context as well, these are dollars. And right now, the exchange rate isn't favorable for us Brits. Not only that, you have to pay your corners. Not only that, you have to pay your cutsmen. Not only that, you have to... I mean, to do the maths, he'll have little or um, nothing above breaking even for that uh, for that. Yeah, fight man, that's, that's... They, they all know him. him. And as, as you say, like, if headlining at the O2, he should... There's compensation or or stipend or whatever should at least be six figures at least. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's he. It seems that he's got stung. But anyway, back to my prediction. I think it's going to be Jorge and it's going to be Colby Covington. That's what that's that's my fight. That's that's my prediction. Maybe they're going to be coaches on the new tough. I don't know because Dana White said tough is coming back. Can you remember, imagine those two being coaches on tough? That'd be phenomenal. Oh wow. Yeah, that'll probably be... I'm trying to think, what was the last real season of Tough that had some real, real animosity? I think off the top of my head, it must be Tough 10. That was the heavyweights with uh, Rampage and Rashad. Remember Rampage Whoa, ripped the door down? don't disrespect Tough like this. Don't really? Dis- it was not that long ago. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, for me, for me, I, I, I don't know. Maybe just because I'm being a bit nostalgic or whatever but which which other which other series comes to your mind like the that has had the most heat I got a few I got Brazil with uh Sonnen Vanderlei uh, I got Joanna okay. versus Gadella that. I got the one I was TJ versus with. Cody I got Ronda Misha like there you are sleeping on tough man come on <laughs> come on <laughs> I'm a nut for tough though I watched I've watched every single one I think 
I've got to admit, I swerve that like COVID-19. <laughs> Why? You're not a fan? I, I put it this way. That whole format is dead. <laughs> that whole um, output is dead. The whole thing is stale, tired and boring. And I just can't get with it. But yeah, I was with you when you were talking about, you know, in terms of beef, the one that sticks out to my mind is Chelsea and um, Van Dele Silva. That, I, I was sleeping there. I, com- I completely forgot. Because obviously, the Chael ended up taking Van Dele down. And then, yeah. yeah <laughs> easily. easily. It lets you get close. <laughs> this yeah. is the, I have never seen a man, like, wrestle hard like that in a street fight in my life. Like, I was like, okay, yeah. these guys are just going to stand up and train. This man shot for a double at the beginning. <laughs> oh god, man! He definitely is from Westland, Oregon, doing some stuff like that. <laughs> Let me chill out. That's I like. I like Chael Sonnen, but that was weird. That's a future president of UFC you're talking about. Maybe. No, I think I, I think I, I think it's nailed on for him. I I, I don't think DC. Uh, we had this discussion a couple weeks ago. I don't think DC is. Well, obviously he's charismatic for us, but I don't think he is. He he has. He, well, I was about to use the word chutzpah. I don't think that's the right word in this in in this uh, in, in this context. I do, I just don't think he he'd be able to hype up your your average Joe in the street to 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 watch a fight. And as Kyra, but yeah, son and will. And and as Kyra said, DC will give John John some crazy hella ass matchups, matching him up against Ngannou and another. <laughs> <laughs> Two v one, three v one. Yeah, and Guardian Rose and Strike together <laughs> against John. But bringing us back full circle, there's no way that Dana is going anyway anytime soon because he's done his job and he's done it with gusto. I mean, look, we've got not one set of fight cards, but two after this coming Saturday. So. That about wraps up this week's episode of the Wocast. And uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you again, gentlemen, for joining me as ever. Um, The normal discourse normally spills over onto Twitter. So if you want to speak to us to, well, negotiate a lot of the points that we spoke about on this week's Wocast, you can contact me via Twitter at MikeWoTV. How about you, gents? I'm at Chisanga underscore Malata, as I say every week. I fire shots, so come at me. I'm at Kairos <laughs> MMA. Listen, um, y'all came out to my neck after posting that combination video. Like I said, I don't do mixed martial arts. <laughs> and uh, that that's probably not going to change anytime soon. So give me a break, all right? Damn. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you? Uh, on Twitter, at Kairos MMA. Don't, don't hit me up on Instagram. That's, that's my personal life. I don't like doing that. And these, tro- <laughs> these trolls come you know, hard. Just before we go... Just, just before, just before we go, I, I noticed, I noticed you, you jumped, jumped inside to piss inside the tent, and I tell you why, the whole Fight Island thing, it made me think straight away afterwards. Is it because your song isn't ready as yet? Is it because the Fight Island anthem isn't ready as yet? So you don't think that Fight Island is going to happen? I think it is going to happen very soon. That's why I'm upset. It's <laughs> pushing my timeline up. I got to get the next verse on. I got I'm trying to do a music video for it. I'm not joking. You guys think I'm like joking? I'm dead serious. I'm trying to do a music video. I'm trying to finish the song. I might take features. Who knows? This thing is going to be big though. I, I oh, I'm. I've already got your feature all mapped out. It's got to be Brett Okamoto. You've heard. I was about to say he beat you to the punch there. I have. I'm down to. I'm down to do a feature. I just might not be a big enough fish for him to work with. You know. Uh, You know. (laughs) Hey, all in time, man. You will be in time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) 
well, no doubt you'll be showcasing it um, in the coming, what, days or weeks? What, what, what's going on? What's the timeline for this? Yeah, I'm going to try and release it before Saturday. Nice. I look forward to this hearing fire. it. Fire. <laughs> well, good, good, on good, that note, good. until next time, make some trouble.